What? Hey, wait a minute. You know what? Put your hands up, palms up. Now, with one hand, palm up, how many of you need a financial miracle? One hand, palm up. You know what? I'm going to pray for you. You need a miracle. This is not a, this is not a way of, you know, trying to get you to do something. God wants to bless you. Do you believe that? He loves you. He gave every, he couldn't give any more than his son. And he's not stingy. Most of all, he's not cheap. And if he wasn't thinking right, he wouldn't have picked you. Right? Hold it up. Heavenly Father, I'd ask that you bless my brothers and sisters. I don't care whether it's money, whether it's resources, it's influence, new job, more customers. I don't care what it is. Heavenly Father, I'd ask you that you bless your people because that's your heart's desire. You not only saved us from sin, but you chose to provide for us, provide for them supernaturally, and they will give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody that received it said, Amen. All right, hold your Bibles up. Let's say this with me out loud. This is my Bible. It's the living Word of God. Has the power to change lives. And I declare by faith that my life and the life of those around me will be changed by the Word. All right. Would you go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23? Now, uh, if you haven't been with us, we're in a series. It's called The Inaudible Voice, a voice that isn't audible. I want to encourage you tonight, before we jump into the series, that um, we're going to be meeting in the park. I know it's hot. You know, I, I, I understand that. But uh, the churches, we as pastors have gotten together and together as churches, we've rented a large tent. It's already set up in the park, been set up since yesterday. And we're, we're going for the gold. We asked the city council, let us use the park, fire department. Everybody's been notified, law enforcement, Hemet PD. The city council knows. By the way, in case you don't know that every one of your city council members declares Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I want you to understand that the city is co-oping with us because we've talked about doing this worship three, is it three or four churches? I forget, three worship teams. Matter of fact, your worship team's going to be first up tonight in the park, and we're going to worship out loud, and we're going to change things in that park. Things that happen in that park from this point on are going to be of the move of God, and we're asking for an influence in the community. How many of you would be willing, even if you can't stay, say, Man, Pastor, it's too hot. Come on. You know what? Hell's hotter than this. And there are going to be people that are going to go to hell if we don't do our part. The Lord said, listen, I'm going to come and I'm going to do what I want to do, but I want to partner with you. And if you don't show up, I can't partner. Now, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just saying we need a show up. And every one of the pastors is saying the same thing I'm saying to you. Come on, let's show up. What is an hour and a half to change a community so lost, lonely, broken people are found in Jesus' name? Huh? Enough said. Okay, we're in a series, The Inaudible Voice. 
and God's burden for a people, God's search for a people that have ears to hear, eyes to see, heart to understand, his inaudible, inaudible subconscious voice. God speaks subconsciously. Now, he can and does still speak audibly. I have never heard the audible voice of God, but I've heard the inaudible voice of God so loud, it was louder than the audible voice. And so I want you to understand that we're talking about hearing the voice of God. What's going on in the world? We're being flooded by voices of the world. And if you just listen to the world, and you listen to the world's news, and you listen to the world's circumstances, that's one thing. And I'm not saying don't listen, and I'm not saying don't, don't be involved. I'm just saying, are we listening to God as much as we're listening to the voice of the world? That's what we're talking about. So it's the inaudible voice of God and God's burden for a people. God's looking for a people who have ears to hear. And so in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. From the abundance of the heart, watch this, from the abundance of the heart, Jesus says, the mouth speaks. In other words, it's what's in our hearts what's going to come out of us. Now, we can easily disguise that when things are good, but when things are bad and things are wrong and things are hurtful, things are scary, things are painful, it's what comes out of the heart is what's in the mouth. And so it's very important we understand that how we audible the things of the kingdom, not just in our mind, but speak the truth to others and live in the truth. And so in this series, we've been in Jeremiah chapter 23. And in Jeremiah chapter 23, we're going to pick it up again. If you haven't been with us or you don't have your Bible, next week you're going to bring your Bible, aren't you? Three of you and the rest are okay. All right, here we go. Uh, we're going to start chapter 23, verse 23. Follow along now. Am I a God at hand, says the Lord, and a God far off? Can any hide himself in a secret place that I shall not see in him? And says the Lord, do not I fill heaven and earth? In other words, where are you going to go that it's not there? Skip down to verse 27. Which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man by his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten me in the name of Baal, which is the spirit of the world. And what he's basically saying to the people of God, not only then but now, is, is the voice of the world louder than the voice of the Father? Do we hear the voice of the Word as loud as we hear the voice of the world? If all we do is we watch the news and we listen to what's going on in the world and we're not listening to what's happening in the kingdom and the kingdom of God on earth. So pick it up, verse 28. The prophet that has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that has my word, watch this, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat? In other words, what's the difference between the husk or the grain? And I talked to you about that last week, but let's go on. Verse 29, is not my word like a fire? In other words, my word's hot. It's going to influence you. It's going to change things. How many of you know when you put heat on things, it changes them? Okay, says the Lord, and a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. So in other words, the Lord says, I'm out. 
to change things. I'm going to pound them with my word, and I'm going to heat them up, melt them down, and mold them and shape them. I don't know about you, but I want God's word pounding in my life, heating up my life, molding and shaping me to be conformed into his image. Is that what you want? Come on, you want to be like Jesus? Three of you, the rest of you are brain dead. Okay, here we go. Verse 30, therefore, behold, I am against the prophet, says the Lord, that steals my word. Those who, who, who pontificate about the things of the kingdom of God, but really don't speak the truth. Now watch what he says. Everyone that, to his neighbor, behold, I am against the prophet, says the Lord, that uses their tongue, uh, says he. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams. In other words, what are false dreams? That's when somebody gets up and tells you, it's all going to be okay and everything's going to be just fine. God wants everything to be perfect. How many of you know that's a lie? Okay, and listen to what he says. Behold, I'm against them that prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness. Now, I'm not talking or thinking about anybody. That's, that don't, don't go there. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking about what God is saying about who are we listening to. If we listen to what's going on in the world more than we seek to find out what's going on in the kingdom, how many of you know we end up unbalanced? Watch what he says. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them, verse 33, and when this people or the prophet or the priest asked thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt say unto them, What burden? Even I will forsake you. Verse 36. And the burden of the Lord shall you mention no more. In other words, God's burden, God's desire, God's passion, that word burden means feelings for. God has feelings for us. He feels. He feels for us in every given situation. He feels for what we're going through. When we're going through something hard, he feels it. It affects him. It doesn't change him. But it, it, it affects him. He cares intimately. That's exactly what the prophet says. And, and religion tells you, oh, just go to church, you know, keep your nose clean, read your Bible once in a while, you know, and, you know, and then when you're in trouble, you know, complain to God and tell him gripe until he gets fed up with you and does something about it. He says, no, I, I want you to know. He says, I want you to know my voice. That's what he's talking about. My voice is my burden. And he wants you to hear and hear with your heart, not with audible ears. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I'm sure God, I've talked to people that have heard the audible voice. But I want you to know that the inaudible voice is sometimes more powerful than the audible. And so in this series, we've been learning about God's burden to reveal himself to his people. He wants to show himself to us on a daily basis. When people say, uh, you know, you say, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. Oh, you met him as Lord and Savior? Yeah. Are you knowing him every day? In other words, is your, is your life expanding in your knowledge about who he is because you take time to understand what he says and what he thinks about you? And it doesn't have to be a long time. It doesn't have to be religious. It's just do you spend time with him? Is there a hunger in your heart for you to know him in the way he wants you to know him? Not religiously, 
but in a very intimate way. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself. Now watch this. To show, to reveal himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect, or the word perfect there is desire. Does our heart desire to spend time with him? People say, man, you don't know how busy I am. Really? Do you ever, you ever feel like you're a one-armed wallpaper hanger? You know, it's like life is supposed to be busy. If you're not busy, something's wrong. Say, well, you don't know. I'm retired. No, no. When you retire, you refire. Okay, here we go. Okay, so watch this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect or desire him. It's not enough that we go to church. You desire him 24-7. You desire him when you wake up. You desire him when you uh, live through the day. You desire him day and night. You desire him everything. Have you ever been in love? <laughs> I just saw women poke her husband. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what it was like when you fell in love with your spouse? You know, it was, it was yeah, it was just, I mean, hubba hubba ding ding. Okay. <laughs> I'm in love. You know, you just kind of get silly, you know. You may be 24, but you end up being 16, you know, and, and, and it consumes your world. Unfortunately, sometimes we marry that person, and then we get bored. And that's what Jesus analogizes it to. He said, have you been with me so long, you've lost your feelings? Now, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. Have you, do you still feel that fire in your bones? Do you still have that hunger? The word strong there, strong in behalf of, means to fasten to, be attached to. In other words, do you feel attached to me? Because if it, 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 he says, if you're attached to me, wherever you go, I go. Is there any place where you go that you hope I'm not there? Okay. Where you go, I go. And that, that, that's what you want, and that's what you desire, and that's what he says. Have you attached yourself? Watch what he says. This word wars, thou shalt have wars. In other words, if you don't connect yourself to me, you're going to end up struggling with life, and it's gonna be, you're going to deal with life on your own. Because he's basically what he's saying is, he says, look, I love you so much, but listen, if you're not going to spend time with me, if you're not going to be relational with me, you're just going to use me as Sunday morning in religion. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but people do it. He says, what you're going to do is you're, you're on your own. He says, I love you, but I'm going to let you do what you want to do. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. But if you want to go that way, and I don't want you to go that way, and that's the wrong way, and you know it's the wrong way, and you go that way, I'm not going with you. He said he'd never leave me or forsake me. He didn't say how far. And so we understand that what God's doing in this world is so crazy and out of control right now. God's looking for a people that just stay close. Stay close, as close as you can. And that doesn't mean be religious. So in Jeremiah uh, chapter 13, watch what he says. Now I'm going to read out of Jer Jer Jeremiah chapter 13. 
This is 10 chapters before. And listen to what the Lord says about this. Verse 11. He says, For as a girdle cleaves to the loins of a man, so are thy calls to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, saith the Lord, that they might be unto me for a name and for a praise and a glory. But they wouldn't. In other words, the Lord says, I'm not going to force myself on your block. Sure, you're saved. Sure, you, you know, you've been filled with the Spirit. Sure, you've been in ministry, but I'm not going to force myself on you. I, I'm not going to make you feel close to me. That's your job. Try that again. God's not going to be close to you unless you're not working on being close. Does that make sense? In other words, he loves you. It doesn't mean it doesn't care for you. But understanding that Jeremiah is talking about the voice of God and hearing what God wants. And that word cleave there, it's cleave unto you, cleave unto your loins. It, it means like um, something to be split, clinging to, something broken and open, to hear the... In other words, God says, I want you to hear my voice, but my voice is, is something like something split open. cleft with a cleaver. God says, I, I, I put myself right in here on every page and I've given you my voice and if you're listening for an audible voice, you're going to, right, my voice is right here. God put Moses where? In a cleft of a rock. Moses said, God, I want to hear you. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. God says, go stand over there. And he went over there, and he said, get in the cleft of the rock. Get inside the rock. Get in that break, that opening in the rock. And he says, I want to be close to you. I can't give you everything you want because if I show up, you're gone. Does that make sense? In other words, you can't take the weight of the presence. So Jeremiah says, God has a burden for a people that are so hungry for him that want to be around him that they are not religious. When I bump into religious people, immediately I know they are not close to God. They're close to religion. You know how you define religion? They don't know anything about the love of this. They know this, but they don't know about the love that's in there. But God's burden is right here. God's desire. God's passion for us. And so when we begin to catch this up, we, we realize in John chapter 1, um, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, uh, 30 says, Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, I want to put a yoke on you and I want you to pull with me and I'm going to pull with you and we're going to pull through this life together and you're not going to do anything alone and you're never going to feel separate from me. And if you do ever feel apart from me, I didn't move, you did. You took your head out of the yoke. See, and you understand that God's passion for you right there in your chair right now is the Spirit of God hungering to speak to your heart and, and, and to fill you with his presence. And, and, and he wants you to nurture that hunger. Um, John chapter 1, if you, if you look at John chapter 1, uh, the gospel of John, it's in pretty incredible what uh, John starts with. As he starts in uh, chapter 1, let me get to it real quick and listen to, what, listen to what it says. 
Are you okay with this? Good. Listen, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's this? God's Word, right? So listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. Watch this. And all things were made by who? Him. Watch this. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In other words, this made everything. Nothing exists without this. This made everything, the Word of God. But then if you skip down to verse 12, it says, And as many as received him, the Word, to them gave he the power to become the sons or the daughters of them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of the will of God. Listen, watch this. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came. He brought the Word. This right here, from Genesis to Mass, Jesus incarnated it. He lived it all out, and he said, Bob, listen, I love you, and I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a friendship with you, and I want you to know in every given situation in your life, I'm there, and I'm there for you. And if you feel far from me, it wasn't me to boot. And so we understand that in all we've been talking about in this series, it's about the inaudible voice of God's Word. And so when we begin to understand this, we begin to remember, well, you remember the woman with the issue? Remember the woman with the issue of blood? I showed it to you. Listen, it's about getting a hold of God. Now, if you remember in that, that clip in The Chosen, what did she get a hold of? His garment, right? It was something very specific in the garment. Okay, What she got a hold of was, and I showed this to you before, she got a hold of these. The tassels. This is the Hebrew prayer shawl. And she got a hold of his tassels. Every Jewish male wore one of these under their garment. Every Jewish male. And it would be, the tassels would be hanging out. I can't get it on right, right now. But the process is, it would be hanging on him. And she reached out and she got a hold of the knot. Now, there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. She didn't have the New Testament. She had the Old Testament, and she was out to get a hold of God's Word. And she said, if I can just get a hold of one of His words. As a matter of fact, Let's watch the scene again and cut it down. Watch it. One friend. Just the fringe. One touch. One friend. One thread. Just, just the edge. Only a thread. You! I know you. Get away from him. Stop it, please. Rabbi Yusuf! Rabbi Yusuf! This woman bleeds. 
She's unclean. We removed her. Please, please. I promise I won't touch him. I, I just need... Oh, woman, please. We can help you, but not now. Question. Who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Touched me. Come forward, teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge. I promise, you are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I shouldn't have asked. But if if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for twelve years. I bled and, and no one could stop it. But but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. <laughs> and I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood is ceasing. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long. We can take her. She is clean. Faith has made you well. 
wish I could stay here longer. But I am business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. And I'm so glad that we found each other. When you understand the weight of God's affection for us, his love, his desire that that he he buries himself if I can say that he 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 and he, and he says I've given you my word it, it's it, there of the 613 of the laws in the scripture it always gets down to one word God's word in flesh came to say, I want to touch you. I want to, I want to be real to you. I want to be life to you. I, I want you to know how I feel about you. And I want you to understand that when you, when you, when, when you read my word, you listen to my voice about you. You don't read my word. My word is not about about all these do's and don'ts. It's about, it's about what I think about you and how I feel about you and how the Father feels about you and how the Holy Spirit who, 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 who wants to fill you with his presence. That Jesus came into this world to not only make the word real and relevant to us, but then to fill us with the spirit of the word. When, when we receive Jesus, obviously by the Holy Spirit, we're born again by the Word. But then he sent them to Jerusalem and he said, I want you to carry the power from on high. And I want to fill you with the power of my Word. And I want you to know the love of my Spirit. And I want you to feel it in a world that is perverse and out of control. Can you hear my voice? Can you hear my heart? I um, decades ago, um, we as a church, we're fledgling as a church, and we're going through some pretty hard stuff. Some of you have been here long enough to remember. It was so hurtful. Rumors in the community about Susan and I and that we were divorced and I was abusing her and crazy things and that we were a cult and um, and I uh, five o'clock in the morning I was in my office over there I took my keys off my key ring and um, I threw them down on the desk and I said God I am done I'm finished with this they are not going to destroy my wife, my children, much less me. I'm done. Don't want to do this anymore. Threw my keys down on the desk. God's my witness. An inaudible voice, so loud 
time. Okay, assume the position. And I, I know what that means. And I, 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 I'm just telling you before God, I didn't plan on telling you this, but I, I want to tell you, it was real. And it was so loud on the inside of me. Assume the position. So I went down on one knee. And I heard the voice again say, I said, assume the position. Just like that. It was an authoritative voice. And I knew what that meant. And I went flat on the floor, face down, thinking, what have I done? And all I can tell you is, was overwhelmed by the feeling of his love, the feeling of his presence, and how foolish I was to reject him because of what was going on in my life. And he spoke some things to me about my future, and I won't discuss those right now because they're private. But I remember getting up off the floor, realizing how deeply he loves us and how much he cares for whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is you're dealing with in life. He's there for you. He loves you. He said, I've sent my word to heal you and deliver you from every destructive force. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by the stripes on Jesus' back, you will be healed, body, soul, and spirit. I've given my word. I've sent my word to you, and all I ask that you do is that as I love you, you love me back. And you'll never love me as much as I love you. I knew that when I got up off the floor. I would never love God as much as he loves me. But I knew that if I didn't stay close to this, my feeling of love for him would begin to grow cold. I hope, I hope you're hearing what I pray the Spirit of God is saying to us all, not to bum us out, not to put us on some kind of religious trip, but to cause us to realize there is nothing the world can throw at you. Nothing. The voice of the things that are going on in the world shall never drown out the voice of God inside of us. Hallelujah. Never. Hallelujah. And so you get out, get, get a hold of the scriptures, get a hold of what God says about you. Believe his word. Read his word. You know, I know this is for some of you so basic and so simple and and yet so important that if we always have to come to church and hear a word that rings our religious bell that now we walk out and we know something we never knew before, oh, but the power of God to come and renew 
what we've always known and build a new fire under it. It's not my word like a fire, Jeremiah said. God said to Jeremiah, it's not my word like a fire, like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. But his passion and his love for us. And so in this process, as we seek the heart of God, and, and, and Jesus said, you know, the, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Remember that the prophet Isaiah said that, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is always the strength of God. And that expression in the Hebrew means that to whom is the arm of the Lord? God, here's, here's the way they interpret it. Commentators will tell you. God keeps his right arm. Isaiah the prophet said, the right arm of God. God keeps his right arm. Right arm is always the Hebrew representation of strength. God says, you keep my arm, it's behind my back. And all you have to do is call on me. And I will reveal my word to you. Say, so, well, does that mean God's just going to get in and change the situation? No, he's going to get in and change you. Because until you change, you ain't going to change it. Are you with me? I got up off the floor that day a different man. I looked the same. I sounded the same. But I wasn't the same on the inside. You know, I'm just going to do this. I have just a couple minutes left. But the Lord asked us, would we spend the rest of our lives in this community for this community? That was part of what he said. And I went home. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I said yes, but I haven't talked to her. And um, and so we we talked, and um, <laughs> I know she was. I know exactly what she was thinking. I don't remember exactly what she was thinking, but I know she was thinking, that ain't gonna happen, right? That ain't going to happen. I'm not going to do this. And uh, so we went to bed, and I, I realized, okay, if she says no, we can't do it. Right? Come on. Come on. That's my out. Because I don't want to do the little, little church in a dairy over there with concrete floors and hardly any sound system and very few people. A lot of people left. But a church split. And so I went to bed in peace, knowing, well, we won't have to stay here anymore because if she doesn't agree, we don't agree because we do everything together. The next day, I forget the circumstances. She finds me. I think it was in the morning when we woke up. I don't remember when we woke up. And she, she says, you know, she told me about the other day about the Lord wanted us to spend the rest of our lives here in the community. I said, yeah. I'm kind of like, well, that's cool. Okay, so we'll get to move someday. And, and she said, I suddenly realized if it wasn't what God wanted, we would have never ever stayed. And the only thing I could think of was rats. <laughs> so now I have a problem. I know God already knows, but I also know he wants to know from me. 
So I'm sorry, I'm a simpleton. I just went back in my office and I put my keys on the desk and I assumed the position. And if you understand that from that point on, it became, and I, I didn't plan on telling you all this, but I'm telling you before God, some of you are thinking about jetting and running. You're thinking about getting out. Maybe not him it, but you're thinking about getting out of a situation. You're thinking about quitting a business. You're thinking about moving or running. You're thinking about maybe getting away from your husband or your wife. You're thinking about running from a situation. You're thinking about a circumstance you don't want to deal with anymore. But you don't understand that God wants you to deal with it with him. And he doesn't want you to abandon your situation. And it may not be your marriage. It may be your career. It, it may be where you live. It, I don't care what it is. The voice of God is, will you stand your ground until you hear him tell you what to do rather than making an irrational decision and doing something you'll regret for the rest of your life? If you understand that, you'll be very careful about your next move. Who am I prophesying to? You'll be very careful. While the world is doing everything to shake us up and get us nervous and get the church in America to a point where it's in flux and it doesn't know what its next move is. That's when you plant your feet, say, I will not leave this place. I will not change my mind. I will do what God has guided and directed me to do. I won't leave this marriage. I won't quit that job. I won't fail in this area until God speaks to me again. I stand my ground for the kingdom of God. The voice of the world is so strong. And all it wants to do is pull you away. Uh, media, queue up and get that last video ready. Okay? And I want you to listen to this. If I was the devil, my first victim would be the kids. From the moment they left their mother's precious wombs and were born, I would condition them to see racial division as a norm. And I wouldn't stop till I've stripped their innocence, divide and conquer. It's the oldest trick in the book of Genesis. And see, as they grew up, I would, I would continue my infiltration. For 12 years, I would steal their hearts and minds from them and call it education. If I was the devil, my next victim would be women. I'd make old, out-of-touch men control women's bodies and rights. What better way to curse God than to disrespect the very bringers of life? Speaking of God, if I was the devil when it comes to religion, I put my plan together perfectly. I'd allow you to worship Jesus every Sunday, and on the other six days, I'd make you worship me. In the form of money, fame, lust, and greed to my religion, I wouldn't need to convert you. I'd turn the Ten Commandments to the Ten Suggestions and make virtue signaling more important than virtue. I'd give you just enough religion to hate each other, but not enough to love each other and for my final evil strategy i'd make you forget the whole purpose of religion was spirituality if i was the devil i, I wouldn't come dressed in a red cape and pointy horns i'd drive a lambo have a pretty face and a gucci belt on basically i'd take the form of everything you ever wished for and watch you create your own hell i don't need to torch the earth and as far as politicians go i'd change 
Nothing. They're already doing my dirty work. If I was the devil low-key, I'd be behind the scenes. You wouldn't have to see me. I would normalize dysfunction and call it reality TV. And in this reality, I would attack your self-worth, making it hard to heal from. I'd show you images of fake bodies and make them more attractive than real ones. If I was the devil, I'd make you pray to technology and idolize those who created. I'd make clout the number one drug and steal millions of lost souls as they chased it. Now, if I was the devil, I, I wouldn't do it all at once. I'd take my time instead. I'd eat away at your morals little by little, exactly how cancer spreads. Speaking of cancer, if I was the devil, I'd feed you tasty food that makes you ill. Then I'd turn your doctors into drug dealers, selling you pills that keep you coming back instead of truly heal. Yeah, if I was Lucifer, then I'd know life and death are in the tongue. So I'd make your knife and fork your executioner. So you can't achieve higher consciousness if your body is sick. You won't opt for positive information if you have inflammation. If I was Satan, my cleverness would be admired. Why do you think the word inflammation literally means to set on fire? If I was the devil, I'd show you how to really flex. I would release pandemics on the world to give people the chance to really care for each other and then sit back and laugh as they exploited and became scared of each other. Basically, if I was the devil, I'd keep doing what I'm doing. God is my witness. I already control your systems. Don't try to fight against this. Because for my last trick, I would make smart people like you doubt whether I ever existed. If you understand that the voice of the world is not the voice of God, and the only way to know the difference is to know what God has already said, because he doesn't say anything that contradicts this. When Moses wanted to see God, God said, you can't see me and live. So what did God do? He stuck him in the cleft of a rock and passed by him. It was still a cleft rock. God's word is faithful and true. And as we go through what we're dealing with in life and what's going on in America, if we keep looking for things to change out there and they don't change in here, the changes out there will make no difference. And so I, I encourage you today, whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is you're fighting with, God's on your side. He's with you. He cares for you. He loves you. And we're here today to encourage you to tell you you're a winner. You're not a loser. You are the head. You're not the tail. You are God's plan for your life in His Word. Your family's going to succeed. You're not going to have everything you want. You're not going to have the nicest house. You may not have the nice car or the expensive watch or fancy clothes or influence and power, but when you have the living Word of God in your heart, you are satisfied to the max. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Yes. So as we go from here today, I want to ask you a simple quick question. Do you know where you're going when you die? Because the ultimate evidence of the voice of God in our life is we know where we're going when we die. Every one of us are going to die at some point, unless Jesus comes back. 
And when he comes back, everybody else that doesn't know him is going to be left behind. So here's what I want to do. I want to open up an opportunity for you to receive, or rather take a step if I can. What I'm going to do is, worship team, would you come? And uh, here's what I want to do. I want, as we close, we've got another couple of minutes. As the worship team comes, I want you to recognize that there's a point in your life where you have to cross the line on some issues. I don't know what they are. They may be financial. They may be relational. Come on, guys. They may be financial. They may be relational. I don't care what it is. There's a point in your life where you've got to take a step and say, I'm going over the line. I'm crossing the point of no return. You know how when, when, when I used to be a pilot, not a current pilot anymore, but I remember when you get to half full on the plane, when you cross over one gallon to the negative side, you aren't going back. There's a point when you have to say, I'm going to ride this out. I'm going to fly this course. I'm going to finish what God planned in my life. And I'm ready to take a stand against all the adversaries of my marriage, my career, my finances, my mind, my children, my spirit, and the things that are going on in my life. If you're ready for God to do something, come put your toes on the line right now. Come now. No turning back. Don't put your toes on a line if you're going to turn back. No turning back. Church, as we finish here this morning, we're going to be praying for them. And uh, as we do so, when you go out of here today, just believe God for everything he says about you. Ask him for strength in your spirit as we pray for them. We're believing God's going to do something supernatural here. Crossing the line to the point of no return. And listen to me. If you're standing up here, look at me for a second. Look at me. This, this is God's chance to do what God wants to do in you. And not only do in you, but to do through you. And he swore, gave his word that he would never leave you nor forsake you. You are a winner. You're not a loser. Your future is bright no matter what's going on in the world and no matter what the world says about you. God's word is liable and alive inside you. And all we're going to do, Pastor Susan and I are going to come by and we're going to lay our hands on you very quickly. The Bible says by the laying on of hands is impartation. And you're going to have your hands out and your hand, palms up. We're just going to come by and touch you and we're going to say in agreement what the world has planned for you is canceled. God's plan is in full motion and in full swing. So let me pray for them. Okay, church, would you stand? Would you stand? We want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, as they go today, bless them in everything they set their hands to. Let everything they touch, fill it with your presence, fill it with your glory, and fill it with your honor. And we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Pastor Susan, go ahead. Hands out, palms up. We'll come to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.
Everything else can wait. I come to seek your face. So everything else can wait. I'm here for you. I want you. Just be. Just be here at 
Nothing. Else. 